Well, the red team played the white team yesterday two times, and they both won, and they both lost. So we have harmony in church today. We were talking to one of the fellows there while the ball game was going on about this phenomenon about how can two guys raised in the exact same family, in the exact same way, end up so far apart? And of course, that's a mystery that we all wonder about. And there are a lot of factors that contribute to it. But tonight, I want to tell you about one that's very clear from a consideration of the book of Proverbs. And so let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs. If you're a young person here tonight, you want to get your, you want to get your iPod, your phone, your Bible open to Proverbs. Because this is especially a book by the providence of God and the mercy of God that really is a very special book for young people. And for everyone, indirectly, directly for young people. And one of the reasons that, that the Bible talks about, one of the reasons that the book of Proverbs talks about, that people that are raised in the exact same family can end up so far apart, is this principle that just leaps off the pages of the first few chapters of Proverbs. And that is, some of them listen to wise counsel, and some of them don't listen to wise counsel. And you really see that. Let's just jump right into Proverbs. And, and you take your Bible now and track with me as I just show you about listening and hearing in the book of Proverbs how important it is for all of us, maybe a particularly a young man or young people, to listen, especially when you're young. Verse 5, chapter 1, A wise man will hear and increase learning. Verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father. Verse 33, chapter 1, whoever listens to me will dwell safely. Chapter 2, listen to the verbs here in chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands, incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Find the knowledge of God. Listen. Can't you just hear Listen, listen, listen. The Spirit says, listen, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. Verse 10, chapter 4. Hear, my son, receive my sayings. Hey, if you're not going to listen in church, tonight would be a really bad night to not listen in church. So if you're not listening, you're going to get embarrassed tonight. Because this is what this is about. Look at chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And we're going to to continue this, but Pastor Michael here in the second row. One of the things I do in my son now, in in hope later, but Wes right now, is I say to Wes, so tell me. And Wes knows he's going to get quizzed. You know what? So what was it about? And what was the central truth? And where was he headed? Because I want him to listen. And uh, I got a call from Holly. She's visiting Heidi. I said, how was church this morning? She said it was great. He said, the guy didn't tell any stories, which, of course, in our family, that's the kiss of death if you're a pastor and you don't tell stories. Just telling you that. But he was a sound biblical preacher, and so there was always good there. 
And she just automatically began to recite to me, this was the main idea, and these were the biblical truths that he supported it with. And see, I didn't even ask her, she just started telling me. Listen, you, this is the, this is the major theme in the book of Proverbs, and we'll tell you where this is, where this is going. I forgot where I left off. Let's start with chapter 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. And then there's these stern, frightening warnings. Are you tracking with me on this? Take your Bibles and look at chapter 6. Powerful. Uh, Let's just go to chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words. Treasure my commands. Chapter 7 and verse 1. Um... Chapter 8 and verse 6. Listen, and I will speak of excellent things. Verse 10 of chapter 8. Receive my instruction. Treat it like silver and gold. Verse 32, chapter 8. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Verse 33. Hear hear instruction and be wise. Verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. This is a simple, direct, powerful thing a person can do. And that is simply listen to wisdom. Listen to wise counsel. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the teachers of the Word of God. And chapters 1 through 9 are especially aimed at the young man. The whole book is really aimed at the young man. But chapters 1 through 9 in particular say over and over again, listen, my son, listen, my son, listen, my son, listen, my son. And sometimes, and you certainly should listen to your son and listen to your daughter, we know that, but sometimes and frequently I will hear young people say, my, my dad doesn't listen to me. Well, your dad ought to listen to you. But I want to tell you something. Over and over and over in the Bible, what it says is you listen to him. You listen to your mother. You listen to your father. You say, when mother and father are dead, chapter 6 says, you still listen to the voice, the memory of the things they said when they were alive, and they'll be like an ornament around your neck, even if they're gone. What would dad have thought about this? What would he have said? You listen to the voice of your father and the instruction of your mother. So why is that important? Why is it so important to listen? Why this repetition about listening? Because it's a life and death matter. It's a wisdom and folly matter. It's a blessing and cursing matter. It's a big deal. And this is very simple. If you're looking for something that will help you in life and be practically helpful to you and very good, this is one thing that will really help you. Get your teeth into this idea. Listen to wisdom and God's blessing will be on your life. Don't listen to wisdom. There will be a curse on your life. Throughout the Scripture, you cannot say that you believe the Bible is true and deny that the Scriptures talk that God governs His entire universe through a series of blessings and cursings. And so if you're a young person, you're going to live the rest of your life under the blessing of God or you're going to live your life under a curse. There's no like in-between ground. You might think, well then, if I want to have the blessing of God in my life in His favor, how do I get the blessing of God on my life? So if somebody said to you, you're a young person, and somebody said to you, Hey, how would I get the blessing of God on my life? If you're a young person, I were to call on you tonight and say to you, tell me how you get the blessing of God on your life. What would you say? What if you did it for, what if I had a $100 bill? I don't. I have a $100 bill. But if I had a $100 bill, I'm married, you see. I, uh, <laughs> just kidding. If I had a $100 bill and I said, okay, come on up here and you, I'll give you $100 and you can tell me what the Bible says, how to have the blessing of God upon your life. What would you say? No, you're, you're an old guy. 
And you're right, Pastor. You listen. And you listen to wise counsel. Take heed to wise counsel. Favor of God is on your life. And this gets very candid, very raw, and very specific. If you study the Word of God, even as a person old or young or in between, now there, there are kind of two sources of wisdom. One would be trial and error. In other words, like personal experience. How do you get wisdom? Well, you do stupid things. And you realize how stupid they are. And then you say, I'm not going to do that again. And now you've gained wisdom. You're no longer naive. One of the kinds of fools in Proverbs is the naive fool. He's the person, she's the person who does stupid stuff. And then now, once you've experienced stupid stuff, you're not naive anymore. Can I get an amen? How many of you have done stupid stuff in your life? I knew from looking at you, you guys have done a lot. No, that's true with all of us. That's true with all of us. We've all just done crazy, dumb, or sincerely sinful things, and we're like, I I don't think I want to do that again. Okay, good, now you've moved beyond naive. You're not that kind of fool anymore. You may still be a kind of fool, but but you're not that kind of fool. You're not a naive fool. Now, there's another way to get wisdom besides trial and error. Can anybody guess what that would be? Pastor, you can talk now. Yeah, listen. Yeah, listen to people. Sure. Other people. That's why we listen to podcasts. That's why we listen to preaching. That's why we read books. That's why we listen to grandpa. That's why we listen when the pastor's talking. Can I say that with great humility? Because we want to get wisdom. And if this man has put his nose in a book all week long, he might have found something there that will help me. So I listen. And I will tell you, I have done this. Taking notes... I have in my office notebooks. There's certain teachers that have been an encouragement to me over the years. I feel like I've written down everything they ever said. It's amazing. I'm going to spend hours carefully recording things when I'm around wise people. I write them. I get a little book out, and I write them in my little book. Now, that's because there are two ways to get wisdom. One is do stupid things and learn from that. And the other is less painful. Write them in your little book. Listen to people. Pay attention. Listen to wise counsel. This is what the Word says. This is a key thing in Proverbs. It's interesting if you look in the the Proverbs, it it defies outlining. It's really not like that. It's not a narrative. It's not one big story. It's a series of pithy sayings. We'll talk about that. But yet... Um, there is a, a structure that I would suggest to you that's interesting. Three sections, if you will. And this is very, this is very kind of simplistic, but it, it can be helpful. Chapters 1 through 9, in a sense, are like wisdom for the young. Chapters 1 through 9 of the Proverbs collected here. Chapters 10 through 24, they have a little literary thing that makes them similar. We really won't talk about that tonight. But in a sense, that's, there's wisdom for the middle years, wisdom for all of life in the middle years. And then when you get to chapters 25 through 31, there is a sense in which that's wisdom for leaders or sages. You really can see this. Part of the Proverbs are really aimed at young people, profoundly aimed at young people. Part are much more general. And part, you can tell, is like wisdom for you because you were expecting a lot of you we know you're going to be a leader we know you're going to be a wise person or a sage some of you may remember a little uh 
thing that was helpful to me that I discovered reading on the dock one day up north. And I was speaking up north and I'm reading this book on manhood. And in the book there was a reference to a teacher named Bill Mauser. And Bill Mauser had this idea that a man has these stages that you can see in the Bible. And they're interesting to look at. Not so much stages as they are. What does it mean to be a man? I've talked about this before. Let me go over it again real quickly. He says, you see these stages in the, in the Bible. A, a, a man is to be to have dominion. He's to be a lord of the earth. He's supposed to have dominion. And God gave Adam dominion over the fish of the sea and the animals in the garden. And so a man is to take dominion. He has a jurisdiction. Even a young man, you know, that's why mom says clean your room so frequently because it's like, I'm nervous about you. You're not doing well with your jurisdiction. How are you going to do with your garage later on? And how are you going to do with your life? So you get, a young man has a jurisdiction and he, he exercises dominion there. The idea is there is the dominion of the great king, our savior, Jesus. He is the king of glory, the Bible says. And his dominion is from sea to sea. But he has appointed men to, to, to uh, administrate his dominion. Rome, uh, Psalm 8 talks about that. He's appointed, he's appointed us to take dominion. So a man there has that uh, jurisdiction, his dominion. And then he's a husband, and he's supposed to make life flourish within his dominion. And that's what Adam did there, Genesis chapter 2. Plant things, make them grow. A man should be that way. He should, he, should have a set, he should have a place where he takes dominion. He should make things grow. What's going to happen? Genesis chapter 3. The evil one's going to come, introduce sin into his dominion. It's going to tend to sow weeds in his garden. And so he's going to have a problem. Now he's going to have to learn to defeat sin. He's going to have to learn to overcome sin in his own life. He's going to have to learn to overcome sin in its jurisdiction. So he's got to get good at that. He's got to get good at using the weapons of warfare so that he can beat down sin when sin comes to take what's valuable to him and he's trying to make something grow. Now what's the next thing after that? The next thing you kind of skip the Proverbs. So he's a, he's a husbandman, or he's a, he's a lord of the earth, taking dominion. He's a husbandman. He's a savior fighting against sin. And he's a next step is a sage. Then in doing all that, he becomes wise, and then people naturally come to him, and he's able to give his wisdom to them. And then he's the bearer of God's glory from 1 Corinthians. He goes into the presence of God every day. He learns of God. He gazes on the beauty of Christ. And the beauty of Christ then is reflected on him, and like Moses coming down from the mountain, people see, this guy's been with the Lord. So if you can see that a guy's really been with the Lord, then what happens is he has the glow of God, the likeness of Jesus upon him. You say to that guy, I want to hear from you because you've been with Jesus, because you're a sage, you're wise. And then as a result of that, you help, that you, in doing that, that guy is going to help you to defeat sin in your life. And therefore, things are going to flourish, and Jesus' dominion is going to be manifested in your life. Isn't that kind of cool? I love that. So the question here, there's a lot of questions that kind of come as a result of that, but one of the questions that would come would be then, it, how would I become a wise man? How would I become a sage, a wise person worth spending time with, able to encourage and help people, have something to say? Well, you can't do that unless you get your nose in the book. You can't do that unless you listen to wise men. You can't do that unless you seek out God's wisdom. But if you seek God, it's very simple. You seek God's wisdom. You know, you know what happened today? A number of people said nice things to me about the message this morning. was encouraging because that was not a fun message. No little happy things in it. Nothing humorous about it. Just a really hard text to deal with. A very painful, hard text. And folk in our church tend to be Bible-believing, godly people who say, you kind of expect them to go, 
wow, you worked us over on that one this morning. And they don't say that. They go, Pastor, thank you for saying what needed to be said this morning. They'll say that. And sometimes they'll say that to me. You know, people will say, sometimes they won't. And, but sometimes they'll say, that was a helpful message. That was a, you know, and all I really did was last Sunday night, I go home and I, before I get in bed, I open my Bible and go, where am I going next week? Okay, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And I write little, I write it out like I write the first letter to every word on an index card. And it reminds me of the word. So even though I don't memorize it, I'm meditating on the Bible when I'm going to bed. This is where I'm headed next week. And then I ask the Lord to show me things. And I ask questions of that text. And I study that text. It's not me. There's no wisdom in me. I'm studying the Bible. And I'm searching out wisdom from others who studied the Bible. And I, I, I have an instinct about people who aren't worthy, you know, students of the Bible. And to the best of my ability, then I come before people and I go, looks to me like this is what God says. And then people are, they will come up to you and say things like, when did you talk to my wife? And I'm like, I didn't talk to your wife. Yes, you did. You had to talk to my wife. What you said was like you were in the car when we were driving to church. Well, I like to claim some kind of special ability, but I'm just like, nope, it's just the Bible. That's the way the Bible is. The Word of God is the truth of God, is the wisdom of God. Get your nose in the book, get the Word in your heart, and you'll have the wisdom of God, and you'll have the blessing of God. Wonderful thing. Now, every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody, and, and I guess we're all guilty of this. And I will notice there's something I, I've learned or read, or it's my area that I've spent a lot of time kind of studying and reading, and I'm eager to kind of tell them and, and show them this thing. And then I will notice that they're really not a good listener at all. They're, they're more eager to kind of tell me what, you know, impress me with what they know or whatever. And you kind of realize that, and you go, okay, I guess I'll just... And then I find myself going, I, I, I had something I would love to have told you, but you didn't want to hear it, so I'll just keep it to myself. And that happened to me not so long ago, and it, it made me think about my own kids. And the poor kids, the hours of listening that they have done to me. I talk a, a lot. I know that's probably a surprise to some of you. My wife, is her counsel is more terse and more direct, less uh, embellished. She just cuts right to the heart. Every once in a while she gets a little tired of me going on and just goes, bang, you know, and just says it like psh, the unvarnished, I'm like the arrow to the heart thing. I'm like indirect, kind of beating around the bush. And nonetheless, we're a team, and our kids have had to listen a lot. Listen and listen and listen. And I thought about him. I thought about my oldest boy, and there is evidence of God's kindness and favor on his life. Just really encourages you to see it. You know, he's found a godly wife who's loyal, loves him. That's a big blessing. He has healthy little children. That's a big blessing. He has a ministry. That's just something you just want to see, you know. And I, I just thought, he's listened to me so much. I called him on the phone and I said to him, Hey, Kyle, I just want to tell you, you have listened to me for hours and I, I realized sometimes talking to others, I didn't realize what a good listener you are, how eager you are to hear and listen and write things down. I'm just telling you guys, if you're young in particular, listen to your parents, listen to your teachers, listen to your pastors. 
hungrily seek the wisdom of God. Search the Scriptures and be a listener, and the blessing of the Lord will be upon your life. The blessing of the Lord. It's not rocket science. We see kids that are having trouble or adults that are just making a mess of their life. It's not that nobody ever told them it was right. They just wouldn't listen and wouldn't apply that to their lives. It's that simple. And so, if I were to say to your dad, does your boy eagerly listen to you? What would your dad say? If I were to say to your mom, does your daughter just really listen with her heart to what you say and apply what you say? What, what would your mother say? This is important. You're, the Spirit, what would he say about you? Are you a, are you a good listener? Important not to fall asleep. I, I sure don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I probably should stay off that subject when I'm talking in church because it's, it goes nowhere good, you know. But I did hear a, a once, it may be apocryphal, but it's such a great story. I'll repeat it with that little caveat, maybe apocryphal caveat, which is a fancy poetic way of saying this may not have really actually happened, but it's funny. I've heard versions of this story almost wherever there are big lecture halls, but it was said that at a Bible college there was a professor who was really boring. <laughs> he would just go on and on and on, and kids were working late, and they would sometimes fall asleep. He had a habit of calling on somebody to close the lecture in prayer. Yes, and so one fellow felt, you've heard this too, huh? Fellow falls asleep in the middle of the class, and he nudges him and says, Prof wants you to close in prayer. So in the middle of the lecture, the kid you know, jumps up and loudly praise in the middle of the lecture if you go to sleep while i'm talking no i'm just teasing just don't go to sleep when the spirit has something to tell you don't stop listening don't do that it's no small thing it's the difference between a life of blessing hey take a look in proverbs 3 i was reading proverbs the other day and uh, i just have a i believe that the holy spirit he kind of watches over your Bible reading. He, he guides you into where you're reading, and he has a word for you. I think that, that you ought to look at your Bible reading like that. God in his providence knows where he sent you to read, and he, he doesn't just have a bunch of general truth to put on you, but he may be going to give you specific encouragement, specific warning, specific correction, or specific direction. And so that kind of like supercharges your Bible reading, because now you're reading your Bible and you go, what do you got to say to me today, Lord? And this happened to me the other day. I was just up early, and I was opening my Bible there, and, and in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 33 this just came to me with such sweetness. It reminded me of a song my mother used to sing. A, po- a song used to be popular a long time ago. Beautiful song. Maybe, Michelle, you've even sung this song for us. Did you ever sing that song? Did we ask you to sing the song, Bless This House? You sing it? No, but you should. Your voice would be perfect for it. Cool. Beautiful song, Bless This House. Look what this, look what this Bible verse says. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. But he blesses the home of the just. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you long to live in a house that has the favor of God resting on it like a fragrance? Live in a house that has the blessing of the Lord on it. Wow, that's a beautiful verse, isn't it? That's such a longing in my heart. There have been times in my life when I was tempted to hide my sin. Now really, perhaps many times. And I remember one day just not wanting to confess my sin because it was going to bring embarrassment to me and humiliation to me, and it was not going to be fun. And it was as if the Lord took Proverbs 28 and verse 13 
and branded it on my heart. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Oh, it's a great verse. How, how would you like to have mercy from the Lord? Well, don't cover your sin. That's just, just a couple examples. So will you be wise or will you be foolish? Will you be blessed or will you be cursed? Will you, be, will you melt down or will you flourish? Will you have right friends and right counselors or hang out with fools that will destroy your life? Will you marry a godly, pure, loyal person? Or will you be a victim of harlots? Will you come to financial ruin or will you prosper? Will you one day be a sage, a repository of wisdom, a reflection of the glory of God? Or will you just be a pitiful example of foolishness? When people look at you, they will say, what a pitiful example of somebody who will not listen to what God has said. What will it be? It will depend on if you listen. Will you be happy in life or will you be miserable? Will you die young or live a full and rewarding life? These are just some of the things that are at stake. I've I got to just throw something in here that, that uh, we talk about dying young. The, the Proverbs, and we'll talk about this in a moment, the Proverbs are, are, are generalisms for the most part. For instance, in the Proverbs, if you do this, you will have a long life. But now what about... You know, a godly person that doesn't have a long life. That happens sometimes. A person that dies in their youth, but they're godly, everyone recognizes them, they're a godly person. Uh, and that, that's frequent. It happens not all the time, but, it's, but, it, but it happens enough that we can all think of examples of people who were godly and died in their youth. Why would that be? It might, it, there, there are a number of things, but one thing we might look at that. Why did a person who was godly, it seemed like the wicked prosper, this person who was godly, like a Jim Elliott or Robert Murmachane, or, or perhaps somebody that you know and love, they died in their youth. Why? And it may very well be that God wanted glory from that person's life in order to take the, the message of their life and, and get attention to the message of their life because they died in their youth. For instance, you have a Peter Marshall who died young and his wife took his messages and they were much more popular and widely read than they ever would have been had he lived. Uh, Jim Elliott dies, and every word he writes in his journals becomes, they're still in print, and they've never gone out of print. Just interesting. But as a general rule, the Proverbs are saying, you will have a long life if you fear the Lord. Now, what's, what are Proverbs? A collection of wise sayings that are short, they're ranged, they're embellished, they're artful, they're memorable language in order to aid memory. The Proverbs are, again, short, memorable statements artfully arranged for purposes of, of retention. The Proverbs are quoted 32 times in the New Testament. Proverbs reveal the wisdom of God in personal conduct, in, in sexuality, in business, in wealth, in charity, in ambition, in discipline, in debt, in child-rearing, in character, in alcohol, in politics, in revenge, in godliness. You might want to read this book. People spend a lot of money for other books that God didn't write. You might want to get your nose in this one, right? We were going to a conference years ago. I'll never forget this. Last, last week I thought about this. Middle girls, Heidi and Hannah, were in a little girls program in the conference. Uh, they were sent a little brochure that said, you need, do you remember this, Hannah? They need to memorize the section in Proverbs 31 uh, about that worthy woman in Proverbs 31. And so the girls, they were so little and they were so dutiful about memorizing that passage. Uh, I can still hear their little girl voices in the van as we were driving down to this conference, just going back and forth. They were so serious about getting that Bible verse, those Bible verses memorized. And they committed in the memory. And then on the van on the way home, they said, 
they never ask us to quote that. And it was like, I didn't have to do that at all. It was, it was a waste of time. Would you understand if I said, though, those girls look a lot like that passage to me today? They're not perfectly so. No, no woman is, I'm sure. So it wasn't wasted time, now was it? And it will never be wasted time for you to seek out God in His Word in the Proverbs and become a person who's wise. The Psalms perhaps focus on our relationship with God, where the Proverbs focus on relationships under God with other people. And so they're worthwhile to, to read and to listen to. And who wrote the Psalms, uh, the, 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 uh, the Proverbs? The Proverbs written by, other, by a number of others. Solomon was a primary author and the collector or editor of the Proverbs. It, it was said in the, that, that there were 3,000 Proverbs of King Solomon. There are about 500 here in this collection that we call the Proverbs. The Proverbs were collected about 900 B.C. Solomon had a worldwide reputation for wisdom. 1 Kings 4.34 says, When men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of wisdom, they came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And we usually say, the wisdom of Solomon. I have a suggested subtitle for the book that sprang into my heart this week, and that would be, someone once said, wisdom, the definition of wisdom is wisdom, you've heard this, is seeing, does anybody know this? Life from God's point of view. You could make that the subtitle of the book of Proverbs. Seeing life from God's point of view. That's wisdom. And you want that. You want to see life the way God sees it. But somebody also said this, and it was wonderful. God's will is exactly what you would choose if you could see life from God's point of view. God's will is exactly what you would choose if you saw what God sees in the end. And seeing ahead of time what God sees in the end is wisdom. And how do you get wisdom? Well, you can do it through the school of hard knocks, or you can get your nose in the Proverbs every day and read these delightful, easy to understand. Well, they're they're sometimes enigmatic and mysterious, and you have to put your head on it for a while, but they're delightful and artful and memorable and beautiful pieces of God's Word that you can read uh, a little at a time, and it's okay. It's not a book you have to read straight through the whole thing. It's probably better if you don't. Read a little at a time. So the Proverbs are a manual on how to experience God's blessing. And that's a wonderful thing. How do you treat the Proverbs? Just this little note here. You know, we believe here, and we're confident of this, and this is true, that the Bible is the Word of the living God. The Bible is God's Word. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's inerrant. We believe in the plenary inspiration of Scripture, which means we believe the whole thing's inspired. We believe in the verbal inspiration of Scripture. And all sound, Bible-believing, sincere Christians know that every word of the Bible is true. That's what we call the verbal inspiration. We believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of the Scripture. A God-breathed book that holy men of God were carried along. They are moved by the Holy Spirit. This is not a book that is just inspiring. It is a book that is inspired. I should be able to get an amen right there. That's why I'll say it again. It's a book that's inspired. You're Baptist people. That's where you say amen. Amen. Now, that's true. Now, we want to understand, though, that when we recognize the inspiration of a book of like Proverbs, we don't want to call it inspiration when we force a letterism or a wooden literalism on wisdom literature of the Bible. Let me give you an example of that. A proverb would be this, not from the Bible, but an extra-biblical proverb would be, look 
before you right, leap. Is that true? Have you ever leaped without looking and it went well for you? Anybody? Yeah. You may get away with that. It's not a behavior I would recommend, however. As a general rule, it would be a good idea for you to look before you leap. But you might come with a testimony and say, Pastor, that's not true. Because one time I didn't look and I leapt and it was no problem. And I would say, well, exception to the rule, but the proverb is still true. You see what I'm saying? That's how we, we handle proverbs, and it helps us a bit. We understand that we compare Scripture with Scripture, and so we might have an absolute hard and fast, cold, hard, no exceptions, promise in the Bible somewhere. If we do, we do. But if it's a Proverbs, it's a general truth that we need to understand in a general way in that way. There are conceivably times when people have not looked before they leapt and they weren't hurt, but that doesn't make the proverb, look before you leave, false. And so it is with biblical proverbs. They're not to be taken as absolute, unequivocal statements of fact with no exception. They're wisdom statements that are generally true. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, treating the Bible as less than God's Word to see it that way. Now, my, your favorite thing to hear, I'm sure, is the word conclusion. So, in conclusion, let me just say... The book of Proverbs is full of foreshadowings of Christ, beautiful literary foreshadowings of Christ, beautiful hints to the heart from the Spirit of God that point to our Savior, the Lord Jesus, as does all this book. Someone has said the theme of wisdom finds its fulfillment in Christ, and we are continually exhorted in Proverbs to seek wisdom, get wisdom, understand wisdom. Proverbs also tells us and repeats that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and our fear of the Lord's wrath and justice is what drives us to Christ, who is the embodiment of God's wisdom expressed in His glorious plan of redemption of mankind. Because the Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 3, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures, both of wisdom and in knowledge. And so what is the proverb? The proverbs are sayings that that, that are like a, a magnet that draw our heart to the one who is wise, who is ultimately wise. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is Jesus. Anything anti-Christ, anti-Jesus, contrary to what Jesus said, is not wisdom, will not end in blessing, will bring a curse to your life. Get the, let Jesus Christ... Be the north star of your life, young person. Let Christ be the north star of your life. You will not go wrong. But I can tell you over and over again, people who are taught about Jesus being the great north star, the embodiment of all wisdom, and something distracted them away from that. And they looked to the world, and it's, it's foolishness. And they were pulled down into judgment and a curse on their lives. Don't let that happen to you. I want to make a pastoral suggestion Read the Proverbs a chapter a day every day. It's just an idea. We, we've done this as a family a lot. Read the Proverbs a chapter a day every day. It doesn't take long, and it's a wonderful thing to have the Proverbs all almost to the point where you know, they're often in couplets and parallels. You can kind of say the first one. Somebody in the family will answer back. They, they know the Proverbs so well. Get in the Proverbs every day. It's a great idea. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to personify wisdom as Christ personifies wisdom. And maybe even create a little topical collection of Proverbs, like I, I struggle with being careful about saying the right things at the right time. So years ago I put together a little topical, the Proverbs on the tongue. And I went over those passages over and over again so that my 
my words would be pleasing to the Lord. Question, was Solomon lost? You heard that Solomon, after all these wise things, he, he apostatized or he was unfaithful and he gathered all these wives, which he shouldn't have done, and he followed their gods. And was Solomon lost? You will have to come back for us to talk about that as we deal with other parts of the wisdom literature. But a much more important question is, Will you live and die wise or foolish, blessed or cursed, saved or lost? What will they write over your life? Were you wise or foolish? Were you blessed or were you cursed? What will they say about you? What will God say about you? Were you a listener to the wise people in your life and to the spirit, the voice of the spirit in your life? Or were you a fool? Millwood, Ohio, is a part of Ohio all of you would really like a lot. I don't care how green and white or maize and blue you are, you would love Millwood, Ohio. In Millwood is a little crossroads, and a lady there named Millie, she, she um, uh, from Millwood, she, she converted this little gas station into a restaurant. And she... It, made homemade pies, and then took them to a little restaurant. Oh, maybe a little like Kate's Kitchen. You go there, you know you're going to get a good pie. Dad, a dad called me on the phone one day, and he said, I'm just, I'm just really having trouble. I love my boy so much. And it's like he's at a why in the road in his life. And he's looking down this way to God and the things of God, He's looking down this way to the world. It's like I can't get him to listen to me. And it seems like this is a critical time. I said, well, let's put a sweet taste in his mouth and let's get together and let's have a piece of pie with him. The memory of that meeting is just so fresh in my mind, this boy and his dad. And I did my very best to help that dad, to warn that boy. I prayed all the way, God, please somehow give me some kind of spiritual power that would make that boy understand the wisdom that his dad and his mom have for him. Keep him, help him go down the right path to God, the things of God. And we ate pie and we talked. And it looked outwardly like he was listening but he wasn't. Not listening like we're talking about tonight. Hearing, but not listening. And if you, you can follow his life, it's just so sad. And you can tell stories like this too. Children out of wedlock, visiting his children infrequently whenever he can get to them. In and out of jail. Struggling with drugs raised in a fundamental Baptist church. People all around him who loved him. People all around him who would tell him the truth. But just didn't hear it. Just didn't listen. 
And there is over his life, not the blessing of the Lord like he could have. Oh, he still could. You know he could, right? In a moment, when a person comes to themselves, oh God, what have I done? Would you forgive me? Would you restore me? Would you give me ears to hear? Would you cause me to have a tender heart? You know, tonight, this is just so simple, but it would be so profound for anybody here that wanted to have the blessing of the Lord. Start out in the morning when the sun comes up. Open a bottle of Proverbs. Do whatever he tells you to do.